So how far do we take this forgiveness thing? We've just seen a clip of a mother of a 17-year-old boy who was gunned down by another boy offer forgiveness, but it, it starts to churn in my head and beg questions as far as is hand-waving crime, injustice, and, and so forth. And we're, we're, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount right now. We're calling it the Moaz, the mother of all sermons, and that there's lots of hills worth planting flags on in the world, and the, the Sermon on the Mount is one of them. But chronologically, we, we've been talking about when you pray, pray in secret. When you, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And then Jesus gives us the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to recite again in just a moment. But in the Lord's Prayer, there's this line about forgiveness, and then he follows up with this little statement about forgiveness. And so he kind of he breaks stride here. He's talking about hypocrisy and a, a good heart, and then he, he throws in some forgiveness there. And, and it kind of threw off my vibe a little bit because we've been using when you give, when you pray, and the next line was going to be when you fast. But then I noticed that there's this thing in between, and I didn't want to talk about that thing this, this particular week. I, I have a friend who approached me years ago and wanted to know about, a, uh, about forgiving her father who was abusive. And he was so abusive that, that her mother had to basically flee in the middle of the night and change her name and reestablish herself in another part of the country. And somehow the father had found the, the daughter and reached out to her and, and asked for forgiveness and started asking about things like being reinstated in her life to get to know her, his grandkids and things like that. And there was this pressing question of how far do you take forgiveness is it's not just as simple as Jesus says, forgive. So, well, okay, then I'll just forgive everybody. And what does, what does that word even mean? And how far do we take it? And what about when safety is involved? And what about repeat offenders and so forth? How do we, how do we deal with it? And so I just didn't have the juice to talk about it this week. And so I'm actually sitting on my bathtub, on the side of the bathtub, thinking about that, thinking, well, I could break chronology and kind of just assume Jesus got things wrong here and move on to the next thing and, and come back to it later. Uh, but as I, literally as I'm sitting there on my, on my bathtub thinking about this, I get this text. And I know you can't read this text in the back, but I'll read it to you. This person texts me. says, I'm watching Sunday's sermon on prayer. Part of it has me anxious and pretty agitated. I went through a help list asking God to bless people and came to one person I totally could not. How do you ask God to bless someone who is intentionally working destruction and being pretty successful at it? What does bless mean in a situation like this? This has been a journey spanning over 20 years. Most of the time, I've sincerely prayed for this person. I was actually shocked that my prayer went totally silent at that point. I don't want to be that person. So we talked about prayer last week and, and, and pithy prayer and just throwing prayer out to God and not being afraid to just say short statements. And this person was going through some of the things and people she prays with and arrived at this one particular person and just didn't have the heart to do it. There's, there's probably some bitterness there and some fear there and some anger there. And what do we do with that stuff? And so, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, should I talk about forgiveness or not? I don't really want to. I think I'm going to skip it. I think I'm going to talk about fasting instead when I get this email. And it's like God's saying, you know, maybe Jesus had the order right here. And maybe, we should, maybe Jesus knows some stuff and we should stick with, stick with what he knows. And, and we talked last week about being a liturgical church or a non-liturgical church and how, how because we're non-liturgical, we miss out on some stuff. And we recited the Lord's Prayer together. And we talked about how the end of the Lord's Prayer was kind of this fancified interpolation or um, addition that came later to make the Lord's Prayer sound better. And I've given a lot of thought to that since that time. And I think God works with us in partnership. And so I don't mind using the end of it. And so we're going to use the end of it today. But we're going to go ahead and recite the Lord's Prayer together and uh, speak, to, speak to God on, 
his terms. If you would recite this with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It was really interesting. Last week I talked about how I'm a pastor and I don't know, because we're a non-liturgical church, I don't know for sure that my kids could recite the Lord's Prayer. Maybe one or two of them could. Um, but if so, they learned that from their mother and not from me, which is, you know, bad pastor. And uh, it's interesting, Becky, our children's leader, texted me the next day and said, I just started teaching the kids the Lord's Prayer today, the same day that you said that, which was pretty cool. But this, Lord, this, the Lord's Prayer is pretty simple. It basically says, God, you're great. Do what you want. Do your will. Take care of us. Forgive as we forgive others and keep us from ugly stuff. That's, that's pretty much the gist of the Lord's Prayer. So when, when somebody asks Jesus later in, in the Gospel of Luke, how do you pray? This is what he says. He says, you're great. Do your will. Meet our needs. Forgive us as we forgive others and keep us from some ugly stuff. And I want to jump on this forgive as we forgive others because it's a pretty, it's a pretty awful prayer, really, if you think about it. Is like, like if I say to God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive others, boy, that, I'm in trouble. I, 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 can, I can be unmerciful. I can lack compassion and empathy. And so Jesus says this kind of shocking prayer, and then he follows it up. It's, it's the only thing he comments on in the Sermon on the Mount. Is he, he says this prayer, this real simple prayer, this pithy prayer, but the only part he follows up on is the forgiveness part. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, that's scary. Isn't that kind of terrifying? And what we find is, I think, I think it's fair to say that forgiveness and the application of forgiveness and the, the need for forgiveness, and the need not only to receive forgiveness but to give forgiveness is kind of a universal theme of Scripture from beginning to end. It's, it's part and parcel to what it means to be Christian is to seek forgiveness, not just for ourselves, but for others. And you find that this theme of because you have been forgiven much, you should forgive much. You find it repeated all throughout Scripture. And I've got a few passages that say it. In Ephesians, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In other words, you received forgiveness. Be lavish with forgiveness yourself. Bear with each other and forgive one another if, you have, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Again, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And this was, the, the, this was three passages of a long list of passages that say similar stuff. We're supposed, I think if you ask Christians and non-Christians alike, are Christians supposed to be forgiving people? Anybody that knows anything about Christianity would say, yes, they're supposed to be forgiving. But then that starts to beg all these questions of, does that mean we're weak? Does that mean we tolerate injustice? Like, like how far do you take this forgiveness thing? For example, should you forgive someone who is not sorry? Are there qualifiers for forgiveness, or you just dish it out? The, 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 the murderer that we just saw on trial, if he never said, I'm sorry, should she be saying, I forgive you? And then that begs the question is, doesn't forgiveness bypass justice? What if the judge applied this universal Christian truth, so to speak, to a, to a, a defendant and said, ah, I forgive you? We would, we would cry injustice, and we would say there's nothing loving, compassionate, or good about that. We would say something's missing. And so we have, to, we have to recognize that it could be poorly applied. And what about repeat offenders? What about, what about the person that 
that hits his spouse and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not like me. I don't want to be that person. I'll change, I'll change, I'll change. But then they don't change. And then they don't change. And the whole shtick about, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll, make, I'll be better, I'll be better. And it, it doesn't apply just to, to physical abuse. It can apply to all kinds of things. You got, you got the employee that shows up late every single week and says, I'm sorry, I'll be on time. I'm sorry, I'll be on time. I'm sorry, I'll be on time. How, do, how, how, does, how does this idea of forgiveness within Christianity apply to a situation like that? How does it apply to repeat offenders? It's, it's difficult. So it, bring, it brings up all kinds of questions. And then there's just the, but I feel mad, anxious, or awful. What if you just don't have it in you to forgive? What if you just don't have, some, somebody did something legitimately intolerable, the dredges of society, the, a scumbag did something scummy, and you just, when Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to those who harm you, you just think, I don't have it in me. I can say the words I forgive. I can say the words I love. But my heart, the reality just ain't there. And so this topic of forgiveness is quite, quite complicated, and this is a perfect time to remind you of this particular slide. Questions. So these are the things that made me balk at this sermon. When I was sitting on my bathtub that day thinking, I really don't know that I've got the juice to talk about this. These are the questions that brought it, that came to my mind. And I want to encourage you during this sermon, text this number with your questions because we want to start doing this. We want to start bring, we, we want to tackle the difficult stuff. We don't want to just spoon feed. We don't want to just say this is what you ought to believe, but we want to get your juices flowing and get you thinking and go from there. And I just got a question. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Popped up on my phone just now. So it's important that when we talk about forgiveness and we try, start trying to figure out how does this thing apply, like, like is, it, is it a universal application? Is it is it case-by-case case basis? How far do we go? Do we allow ourselves to be walked on? Jesus says some crazy things, like if a person slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other. Is that, does that mean abusive situations? Does that even compile the situation where a spouse ought to stay in an abusive situation because they're supposed to forgive and they're supposed to turn the other cheek? And doesn't that seem off from the teachings of Jesus if we apply it as such? The, the whole thing is, is quite, quite challenging and quite difficult. In those cases, I say go, and we'll get to that. But I want to... I want to define the word first because I think, I think properly defined forgiveness really, really helps us start to categorize the situations where it should be applied and, and, and move away from situations where in particular ways it shouldn't be applied. But this word in the Greek for forgive that you'll see throughout Scripture, it, it, it's, a very, it's a very strange word. Ephentes is one of them, is one derivative of the word. And so in Matthew chapter 4, there's some people uh, fishing, and Jesus comes and says, come follow me. And it says, immediately they ephentes, their nets, and followed him. So this same word ephentes means, it's, in, in, in the English, it's translated as let go, or let down, or put away. And so this doesn't sound like forgiveness at all, but it's still the exact same word that would be translated into forgiveness when Jesus says, if you forgive others your trespasses, God will forgive your trespasses if you don't forgive. It's the same, same exact Greek word. It's also used when Jesus says, let the one who wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have your coat as well. There's this letting or having or releasing aspect to the word. And, and so when you, when you go through Scripture, and the, the Greek is it's, it's a long study. It really is. It's a complicated study. So just getting down to defining the word is quite, quite challenging. And what I want to do today is get to, get to where after much study to tell you what my definition currently is. And it may not be the definition you arrive to if you do a Greek study or if you do a word study, but it's, it's allowance and departure and remission and pardon and permit and tolerate and let go. It's, there's, there's this, it's, it's like 
gripping something and letting, and, and letting go of your grip on something is, is where the root of the word is. But then it also has to do with law. And it also has to do with justice. When you are wronged, what is, what is recipro- reciprocity for, for that wrongness and, and letting go of that? But again, there's this letting go idea. And so I, I'm, I'm basing it on a calculated word study. I'm also basing it on like an overarching principle of what it means to love because I think, I think if you ask Christians and non-Christians alike, what does it mean to, like, should Christians be loving? It's, it sounds like a dumb question, right? Well, yes, they should be. And, and many, of the, many of the complaints that you hear about the church are specifically when churches are unloving, right? Christians ought to be loving. And so we go to our definition of love in 1 Corinthians, and it says, love keeps no record of wrongs, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And so I'm tying this word study of the Greek word for forgiveness in with this overarching concept of love, and I'm going to give you the definition that has been really helpful for me to start answering some of these questions about what is forgiveness and how do we apply it. And it's yes to the best. I thought about desiring the best, offering the best, working towards the best, sanctioning the best, and hoping for the best, but none of those quite rang true. For example, if I said to forgive is to desire the best for another, well, that doesn't quite hit the mark because desire is, is different than action. It's different than choice. It's different than, than a letting go. Desire may, may or may not fit into the calculation you have about forgiveness, hoping for, working toward the best. None of these quite worked. But then when I just said yes to the best, yes to the best of the other, of for another, even in the face of the following. So these are some Greek words that you'll see tied with forgiveness. One is ophiliomata. And ophiliomata, it's interesting, when Jesus recites the Lord's Prayer, he says, forgive us our ophiliomata, as we forgive the ophiliomata of those who owe us. And it's the word debts. It's, it's if someone owes you something. But then when he follows up with his little statement, when he, with his commentary on the Scripture, he goes somewhere else with it. Interesting word study I'm not going to get into today. But to owe a debt means something has been probably taken from you or, again, clearly owed to you. So someone who broke your trust has taken trust from you, and now it's harder for you to trust someone else. And that's, that's a debt that will ne- probably never be paid. And it says to forgive those debts. And to forgive is to kind of let go or to... Um, put down, or to remit. And so, in one sense, it says, yes to the best, even in the face of debt. It also uses paraptomata. Paraptomata is, is where Jesus goes in the second statement, and this means trespass. So, a trespass is when someone shows up, makes an appearance in a place where they are unwelcome, and it means crossing boundaries. It means they've come into your life, and they've brought something to you. So, debt is to take away. They took something from you. To trespass is to place something on you, to put something near you, or to invade your life. And many of us, there's, there's people that we can think of that invaded our lives in pretty nasty ways, and that's a trespass. I mean, even, even if the doors were open, it doesn't mean they were welcome inside. And sometimes we open our, door, our doors to people that come inside, and they, we'd like them to go away, and they just don't go away. And that's a trespass. And then there's just literally sin, hamartia. Hamartia is a word we've talked about quite in depth in here. 
and it means to miss the mark. It can be a moral failure. It can be a failure of consequence. It can be a failure to, uh, to do what is right or to choose wisely. There's all kinds of ways the hamartia can be expanded, but it, mean, it basically means you were wronged. So in Scripture, it says there's three, way, three things that need to be forgiven, debts, trespasses, and sin. And so when we define forgiveness, it's saying yes to the best for another in the face of trespass, debt, and or sin. So this mother that forgave the, the murderer, she, she isn't necessarily saying you don't deserve your sentence. Justice may still occur. But what she is saying is, in the face of your wrongdoing, what you did to me was wrong. You took from me. You came into my life in a way that was unwelcome. You sinned against me. And yet, my hope for you is the best. From here on, you're going to have to face the consequences of what happened. But I pray for you. And I, she said, I want to hug you as a mother. And so when we start to ask these questions, when we define it well, it makes it a lot easier to say, is it, is it applicable or not? But I want to talk about some of the things that, that forgiveness is not. Because, for example, the, the, the daughter who wants to know if she needs to invite her uh, abusive father back into her children's family and back into her children's lives. Not necessarily. There may be a case for that. There may be a space for it. But it's, it's not necessarily the best place to be. And so, and I'm just going to fly through this. And I apologize that the, the slides won't correspond with it. But... <laughs> very strange descriptive. I've got this picture of a guy giving you the middle finger, but I've blurred out the middle finger, and you don't get to see it, and now I've lost my entire presentation. Um, so it's not, it's not saying yes to the middle finger. I remember I, I used to have a Dodge Shadow convertible and a mullet and Ray-Bans. That was, that was me in the 90s. And I was sitting in an intersection one time. You, you forgive me for that? Sitting at an intersection for that. Well, apparently someone didn't forgive me because they pulled up next to me and they gave me the finger. And they stood there looking at me, giving me the finger for quite some time. And then drove away. And I remember them turning right and turning around to give me the finger as they drove away. And I have, I have, I have no idea like what was in their heart at that moment, but I have an idea of what I looked like at that moment and I kind of want to give me the finger too. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it was. But there's, there's people that are legit scumbags out there. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but in, on YouTube, there's people that scam scammers. I don't know if you've seen these people, but there's, there's scammers that will mess with senior citizens and, and drain their bank accounts by running these intricate scams. You, your computer's blowing up. We'll, we'll give you a refund for the software we gave you. Oh, oops, we gave you too much. Now you owe us this money. And so they'll get in their bank accounts. They'll get on their computers. They'll suck up their files, and they'll... they'll uh, Good job, guys. Badoom. They'll suck up their bank accounts. Well, these scammers are amazing hackers, or these scam scammers are amazing hackers. So they will get these people on the phone, and while they're on the phone with them, infiltrate their computers and delete their files and, and steal all their databases and destroy their lives and then show them on their own webcams that they know who they are and the cops have been notified. And you can watch them this whole thing unfold on YouTube. Now, does forgiveness mean that you just say, go ahead and scam? Obviously not. And if we define it well, if we define it as saying yes for the best, then clearly we have to attack that scam because that's not the best for them, right? And so in these questions of injustice and these questions of right and wrong and, and what should we attack and what should we hand wave, 
if we define faith forgiveness as saying yes to the best, they, these things become a lot easier. I, this person that texted me while I was on the bath, sitting on the bathtub this week said, part of forgiving is expressing anger in a righteous way. In fact, I would say to say yes to the best requires righteous anger sometimes. So it doesn't mean you're exempt from anger. It doesn't mean you're wrong to be upset. It doesn't mean you're wrong to hurt. I would also encourage you to get out. This is a situation where uh, he ought not be in the water, right? And so in a situation that's abusive, in a situation that's emotionally or physically abusive, or a situation where your boss is just a jerk or, or paying you too little or whatever, you can take the meekness thing a little too far and say, well, I'll just allow every injustice. And it doesn't mean there won't be times that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, stay. I'm not saying there's, that fear should always be your motivator, but I am saying that there is place in a properly defined forgiveness for getting out. There's a place to say, even, even if what you want best for that person, let, let's, let's say it's a person who just doesn't know boundaries. They show up at your door and invite themselves in, and you wish they would do it once a week instead of three times a week, or whatever the thing is. You're doing them a favor. You're saying yes to the best by establishing boundaries, by saying no, by getting out. And so it doesn't mean you never take a stand for yourself. It doesn't mean you never get away. In fact, I'm, I'm very encouraged sometimes when we see some of the apostles. Paul was lowered down in a basket to get out of a city. He, uh, not, not, not Paul, it was Joshua, right? Joshua was lowered in a basket. Paul, Paul, Paul was lowered in a basket, yep. Jesus, sometimes the crowds would come in to, to throw him off a cliff, and he would, like ninja, stealth his way through the crowds and get out. And so there's, and Jesus was, I think when we say Christians ought to be forgiving, what we mean is people who emulate Christ ought to be forgiving. And Jesus sometimes said, I'm out. He said, I'm not tolerating these people. I'm not going to mess with these people anymore. I've got I've to get out of here. And so it's, it's okay to get out when you define forgiveness well. It also means you ain't got to be besties. A friend of mine this week said, must I feel forgiveness, love, and compassion toward the person who wronged me? And the answer is no. I'm not saying that you can't develop and grow in these areas and feel forgiveness. So the key word here is feel. So should you act forgiving? Should you act in love? Should you act in compassion? Yes. This is something God should do in your life, and it should, it should invade every relationship, even the hardest ones. But do you have to feel it? Do you have to want to be best friends with this person? Does it even mean that the relationship will necessarily be restored? Look, there's, there's lots of people that you know that you're not besties with that you've got nothing against. So it doesn't mean that just because somebody wronged you, now you have to be best friends in order for the forgiveness thing to work. There's sometimes you just don't want to be friends with somebody, and that's okay. In fact, that speaks of trespass. When a person invades, 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 and doesn't understand boundaries, that's trespass. And so now you're hoping for the best, you're wishing for the best, you're saying yes to the best for a person who is trespassing. But it doesn't mean you don't stand up against the trespass. It doesn't mean you don't stand up for what's right. It just means you wish the best for them. And sometimes... It goes like this, I wish you the best, now go away. And that's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't mean there's no forgiveness in that. It just means we ain't going to be besties, and I'm fine with that, and you're going to have to be fine with that. It also allows all the feels. I read a, a Catholic priest this week that was talking about forgiveness, and he said forgiveness is a, isn't a matter of feeling, it's a decision. And so... You can feel angry, you can feel betrayed, you can feel bitterness, you can feel hatred, you can feel all of those things, but allow God to invade those things and turn it into yes for the best. 
I feel this towards you, but I'm emulating Christ, and Christ wants, Christ created you as a child. He created you as his son or daughter, and I wish the best for you. You are the Imago Dei. You were created in the image of God. I wish the best for you. And sometimes, like the character in the shack, you got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes, like the character in the shack, you got to, you got to allow that discrepancy between how you feel and how you respond. And it's anger, frustration, anxiety, bitterness. These are all things that God wants to deal with you on. He wants to get in and start to root out and clean up. But he he wants to do that while also altering how you view humanity. He wants you to see people and wish them the best. Every person, everywhere. So what would be best for this, this, this murderer, this convicted murderer that's going to jail? Wouldn't it be best that somehow even in jail he has a change of heart? That he calls out to God? That he treats his cellmate? Is it better for him to perpetually murder? Is it better for him to perpetually be violent? Or to have one person sometime in their life say, say you took from me. You, you owe me a debt. You trespassed in my life. You sinned against my life. And yet, I wish you the best. And at that moment, was in the courtroom. And you can watch the whole video in the courtroom. He didn't, he didn't blink the rest of the time. But when that mom said, I want to hug you. I love you. I feel no bitterness in my heart against you. That's life transforming. It's wishing the best for them. Doesn't mean they have to be besties. Doesn't mean she can't be angry or hurt. Doesn't mean she can't run away if he, if he gets on parole and starts hanging out in her neighborhood. But it means she wishes the best for him because she has the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God wishes the best for every human soul. And that's where forgiveness lies. I'm going to fly through some stuff, the me stuff. You're not exempt from this. Jesus tells a parable of a man who owed a great debt and was forgiven a great debt and went out and started choking someone who owed him a few pennies saying, give me what you owe me. And we have, to all, we have to all start from this foundation that says, I need forgiveness. I need, I need a God and I need other people who hope the best for me, even when I trespass, even when I owe, even when I sin. You don't need poison. Nelson Mandela said this. He said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Resentment and bitterness, unforgiveness consumes the soul. You don't see everything. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He had the benefit of perfect sight, and he could see their hearts and their lives and their emotions, and he, he seemed to find, to find some kind of grace to be offered to those who are ignorant. And you don't know who's ignorant. You don't know what you don't know. Justice isn't yours. In Romans, it says, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then finally, when we face questions like this, there's a human way of thinking of things, and then there's a God way of thinking of things, and sometimes those butt heads. And so when we try to figure out what is it supposed to be, like how, how am I supposed to live my life when it comes to those who hurt me, who trespassed against me, who owe me a great debt, who sinned against me, there's the natural human reaction that says, I will get them back, or I will hate them forever. And then there's this God reaction that says, they are still created in the image of God, and they're there can be redemption there. It doesn't mean they will be redeemed, but there can be, and that's what we ought to hope for. We ought to, we ought to hope for the invasion of God's redemption into every human soul, everywhere, all the time. And when we say, I can't do it, all of a sudden we're limiting what God can do in us. The person you despise, he can change that in you. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to be besties, but he can change that animosity. 
Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And what did Jesus say? He said, I'll tell you not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven times, depending on the translation. So let's go back to this. There are people that I probably ought to forgive. And by forgive, I mean think the best for, hope the best for, say yes to the best for. But I just can't find it in me. What do I do? And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's where, that's where you let, you let go. When it says they laid down their nets and they followed him, that's the activity. This, this whole forgiveness thing is not just about who did you wrong. It's about a, a letting go. It's about a, an open-handed view of life. And you can, hold your, you can hold your life like this, and you can own your life, and you can do, think the way you want to think and act the way you want to act, or you can say, Jesus, your brain is much bigger than mine. You're much wiser than I am. You're much smarter than I am. You know the right way. And he seems to have revealed in Scripture that the right way is a letting go, a thinking the best of people. So you can hold on to your way, or you can hold on to Jesus' way by letting go. And I would encourage you to do the latter. Let's get to some questions. I've got a bunch of questions here. Thank you, guys. One person says, never mind, you already answered. (laughs) I'm very thankful for that. One person says, why did the Bills squib kick in the playoff game last week? It was the best game I ever saw. It was the best football game I ever saw, and I'm sorry. And I know it was you that's the guy in the Buffalo Bills hoodie. (laughs) Hold on. I've got the ads-on version. Can we forgive someone and still hold them accountable, expect that they be held accountable for the offense? Absolutely. And here's, here's, here's what happens when we start to talk about the jurisprudence part of this conversation is, can the, can the judge hand wave stuff and say, I forgive you? The law is still the law, and the law, the law holds empathy and compassion for the group. And so when we're talking about forgiveness and, and personal forgiveness, it's wishing the best. The law doesn't have that privilege. The law is an expectation of, this is... This is this is the crime. This is the punishment. That's how law works. And so law and personal forgiveness and wishing the best for people are, are separate categories. And it's necessary for communal love and empathy and compassion that there is law. And so I think, I think when we say defining forgiveness well answers some of these questions. I think when you define forgiveness as saying yes to the best... It's saying yes to the best, and you have, to, you have to separate that from circumstantial compartmentalization. And so, like, like the man in chains who had killed the boy, he is going to face the law, and that's the reality. And the law, the law we, we should fight against unjust laws for sure, but sometimes the law is very good. And so when we, when we think about forgiveness towards him, we're not saying he shouldn't go to jail, because he probably should. And this, this starts to get into some questions about Punishment, and does the punishment fit the crime, and why punish? Is it rehabilitation? Is it removal from, from society? There's about four or five different reasons you punish, and, the, and, and most of them are very, very good. But what it means is, in your circumstance, where you are having done what you did, what is best for you, what, it, what is best for you and the collective? And this, this, this starts to open a whole new Pandora's box of what it means to forgive and where it ties into law. But, 
But my, that's a long way of saying, yes, I think people should be held accountable for their actions. I think God has designed a system where that occurs spiritually, and I believe that we have laws that handle it physically and tangibly. Um, so the short answer is yes, people should. Uh, and I'm just grabbing random ones here. And so, you know, my mom died two years ago. My siblings and I were in a bad place. We hated our brother, and our brother hated his sisters. During that week before my mom died, we had a lot of time to talk. God entered that room and helped us to forgive. Since then, we meet monthly to laugh and support each other. That was nothing my mom did or us. That was God alone. I'm thankful for that. It has released my heart from that darkness that was there. Wow. How beautiful is that? I don't even have to answer a question. I just get to close my sermon with this beautiful little moment. There's something about... Somebody, somebody wrote in some questions that, that don't have to do with the sermon about, like, how do you interpret Scripture and, and so forth. And there's, there's something about the way you view God that starts to dig at these questions as far as, like, how are we holding on to ourselves versus how are we letting God do his thing. And God is a God of reconciliation and always will be. He's a God that, he's a God that wants the best. He wants no wars. He wants no family drama. He wants, he wants no brutal conflict. He wants no hatred. Why we have these things is a separate issue. But this is a perfect illustration of, of the power of forgiveness. You get people in a room. You know, at Daylight Church, we, we talk a lot about how we're a church built on eating across the table from one another. And it's, it's super interesting. You put people in a room that have diametrically opposed views. And uh, I'll give you an example in, in, and close up with this last thought. I went to a weekend on LGBTQ plus um, theology and thought, and they, they put people in the room from all different perspectives. They had, they had people who are very much side X, which is one particular side in the view. I'm, I'm going to fly through this. Side A, side B. You had pseudo Westboro Baptist views versus, you know, very, very conservative views versus halfway views versus very affirming views and open views. And Everybody put in a room together. And if you put those people on Facebook and have them dialogue, it's probably going to get pretty ugly pretty fast, and they're going to troll one another. In fact, there were a lot of people that by the end of the weekend said, I, I thought coming in here that I would hate you. This was, this was the overarching conversation that occurred at the end of that weekend. It was a two- or three-day weekend. Everybody said, I thought, because I, I read your bio, because everybody had their bios in, in there. Everybody kind of knew where, where people stood on, on the issue. And... They said over, on, on, on all sides of the aisle, they said, I thought I couldn't stand you. I read your bio and I knew that I wouldn't like you. At the end of the week, we were supposed to write, or at the end of the weekend, we were supposed to write something affirming or positive to the other people. And everybody got an envelope filled with affirmations from the other. And you found that people who would normally hate each other, and I'm not saying right or wrong on that issue at all. That's not the point of this. But the point is you put, you put people that hate each other across the room from one another and with Uncommon exception. There are exceptions, but with uncommon exception, they will see each other as human. And that's, got to, that's a beautiful thing every single time. And so for this person who said, thank you, thank you for closing the service with this example of God's reconciliation and healing and putting people across the room from one another. Again, does this mean you don't get out of the water when a shark shows up? Not always. There, might, there, there may be a time when God says, fight that shark. I'm not, I'm not saying that won't happen. But I am saying that there's something to this reconciliation, healing, and embracing thing that God moves powerfully in people's lives and heals stuff 
that others thought could never be healed. And thank you for, for sharing that beautiful moment.